Friends, why don't you grab a Bible? It is a uh, well-known passage today. You might know it as the uh, the parable of the the parable of the sower. Special word of thanks to a fellow by the name of Vincent Van Gogh who provided our artwork this morning. Thank you, Vincent, for giving us permission to use your work this morning. It's his famous painting of the parable of the sower. It's in Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to be reading from verses 1 through to 9 and then Jesus' explanation a little bit later on from verse, from verse 13. But Jesus is talking today in a context that every pastor would love. Every minister of every church would love to have this problem. The context is that Jesus is having to be um, preached from a boat. Now, wouldn't every minister love in my case, I would love to be down at Bondi Beach with the crowds overwhelming Bondi Beach. I'd have to be pushed out into the surf simply to escape the crowds that are coming to hear God's word. Wouldn't that be great? That's what's happening with Jesus this morning. He's being pushed out into a boat, preaching to the crowd because they're all crowding in on him. Uh, so loving Heavenly Father, we pray that might indeed be the case here at Bondi, uh, that the crowds would come to such an extent that I'd be crowded out into the waves down at Bondi Beach. That would be an awesome, an awesome experience. But the reality is, church in the marketplace, that's how many churches think about us, particularly here in our denomination. In our denomination in the Uniting Church, the median size Uniting Church congregation is about 28 people. So we're two or three times the size of the average Uniting Church. They, they look at us and think, oh, wow, you guys are doing really, really well. The, the trouble with that is that we're tempted the danger is that we can think that, well, this is our work, that we've got the formula right. Uh, leaders in the church and the rest of us can be tempted to think, well, we've done this. Uh, this is a result of our own cleverness, of our own hard work, our own hard yakka and, and faithfulness. But this parable shows us that there is so much that is actually beyond our control. It's a word of warning against taking credit for that which God is doing. I read um, this week a story of, uh, of a young pastor fresh out of Bible college uh, in, in Atlanta. We actually lived in Atlanta for a few months and uh, this was a, a young pastor returning to his, his home church at Marietta. Marietta is a, a satellite city of Atlanta where every morning in, in Atlanta you'd hear of a, a pileup or congestion on the I-95 coming out of Marietta back in the Buckhead in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, it's a satellite, like a, like a suburb of, of Atlanta, where young people, young families would gather and raise their children. He returned to his home church in Marietta, where a wise old pastor, a guy about to, to retire, had grown his home church enormously. Uh, it, was, it was, had grown so much that to knock down their old church building, build one that twice the size, simply to accommodate the people that were flocking into this church. And this young graduate wanted to know the old guy's secret. He wanted to know, well, as he wanted some advice. So he went to the old fella and said, what you've achieved here is amazing. He said, tell me, what's the formula? What's your secret? What would you tell a young bloke such as myself starting out in ministry? Well, the story goes that the, the old minister looked the young fellow in, in the eye and he said, son, uh, you have to know what is in your control and what isn't. And when it comes to being a minister... There really isn't that much that is in your control. He was an older man who had earned the right to maybe, you'd think, pat himself 
on the back. But this was a wise old man of God who knew the wisdom of the parable of the sower. Let's dive in and have a read of the parable of the sower. It's in Matthew chapter 13, it's one, verses 1 to 9, a bit of a break, and then Jesus goes back and explains it to his disciples uh, from verse 18. So Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 9, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears... Let them hear. And then on to verse 18 for the explanation with the disciples a little bit later on. Listen to what the parable of the sower means, says Jesus. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. Since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Church, let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we pray that you might reveal your truth to us this morning through this parable. Father, we pray that my words might be your words. We pray that I might decrease and you increase in all that is said and in all that is heard. And the people of God all said, Amen. Now this is, uh, of course, a a parable. This is the first cab off the rank. The parables were, of course, Jesus' primary way of teaching about God's kingdom. He would start off by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of God is like, and then use a very familiar image to illustrate a little bit about what God is like. So I tell the children in our, in our scripture class, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, an earthly story about common everyday things with a heavenly meaning. They're sort of oblique references to God. God is so big and massive beyond our comprehension. Jesus used these word pictures, these similes, to try to give us a glance, give us just a glimpse of what, of what God is, is like. Kierkegaard, the famous philosopher, called the parables of Jesus where they were designed to deceive us into truth because they're talking about something ordinary, but in actual fact are talking about something else. They illustrate for us something about God, something about his kingdom, about, about how it works. Now, this particular parable is first cab off the rank. It's first in the batting order, this parable of, of the sower. It's a story about a farmer. But this farmer is a very foolish farmer. This farmer is, by worldly standards, a very wasteful farmer. 
a very extravagant farmer, a very, a very lavish farmer, a particularly wasteful farmer that doesn't seem to care where his precious seed falls. This is a farmer who goes out scattering seed generously, abundantly, with little regard for the crop, for the harvest. No self-respecting farmer has ever done this. His scattering seed, where frankly would take a miracle to yield a harvest. So this farmer is, by our standards, by worldly standards, uh, a very reckless farmer, a very foolish farmer, a careless farmer, a, a wasteful farmer. Of course, we, we know the story. Um, he scatters seed among the, among, along the path, and birds just come and eat it up, among stony ground, where it springs up, but doesn't last, among thorns that come and choke out the plant. And, uh, and it, there's no talk either, by the way, of preparing the soil. There's no talk of fertilisation. There's no talk of ploughing the soil. This farmer just goes out and scatters seed willy-nilly. No farmer has ever done this. Our family have been enjoying watching a Clarkson's farm in recent times. Jeremy Clarkson, we used to love watching Top Gear, um, but now he's moved on to more ordinary things, worthwhile things. And Jeremy Clarkson has purchased a farm, and rather than tearing around in Lamborghini, he's now trying to make a living farming. And it's very interesting to watch the process because it's heartbreaking. Rather than cracking jokes all the time, Jeremy Clarkson at some point is, 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 in, is in tears. I mean, this is hard stuff. It's, it's hard yakka trying to just make something grow. It's very precise. There's GPS these days to make sure that the seed is sown in exactly the right place at exactly the right time. It is harvested with all sorts of scientific methods to, to test the, the moisture content so that the canola comes off when it's not got not too much moisture. Not too, it's, it's very precise, very scientific, and it is hard work. No farmer in his right mind would go out and act like the farmer in this parable. But Jesus is pointing us to this guy. Jesus is saying, look to this guy. He's basically calling us to emulate this very wasteful farmer, this farmer that doesn't seem to be worried at all about running out of seed. This is a farmer that is keen to scatter seed, broadcast seeding, it's called. He's keen to, to scatter far and and wide. So Jesus offers this explanation to his disciples. He preaches, he tells the disciple out to everybody, but then with just his disciples, just with his inner crowd, he explains the concept to them. Basically, this is a parable about how we are to go out and to indeed, like this farmer, scatter seed abundantly. Scatter seed lavishly paying little heed for the status of the soil. Is that me?
keep the doors open and not mess up. The young families were moving into Marietta. The old pastor realised that the success of his church really wasn't dependent upon him. Yes, he had to faithfully scatter the soil, scatter the seed, no doubt about it. But the fact that there were families moving into his city, into his town, was something that he could never take credit for. It was something that was completely beyond his control. I think it is always a danger in the church. We hear of a successful church, we think they're doing something well, or we hear of a church closing, which frankly is happening every second week at the moment. It's not an exaggeration in our tribe, in our denomination, to hear of another church closing its doors. It's, it's happening all the time. Every other week there's a new congregation, once strong, strong, once thriving congregation, closing its doors. So I think the temptation for us is to worry about this stuff. I know it is for me. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I get a bit concerned about the hard, stony, rocky, thorny soil out there. It's a temptation, I think, for we as a church to be concerned about that which God tells, hey, listen, leave that with me. I remember the farmers when we were living out at, out at Wellington. I have a little bit of experience with farmers. You know, when we were shared with you before, when we first got married, Carly and I lived at Wellington near Dubbo. And I was working in the bank. And I did a lot of loans for, for farmers. And I churched with a whole bunch of farmers. They were a little bit older than Carly and I. They had kids who were raising their family and were taking over the farms from their dad. So the old bloke was re retiring and, and handing the farm over to their to their kids to, to manage. And the thing that really struck me, the big take-home message from these farmers was that they were subject to forces completely beyond their control. I was working in a bank getting a regular paycheck. Carly was teaching, getting a regular paycheck. But these farmers, they got a paycheck once or twice a year completely dependent upon things like international commodity prices, about the weather. Things like a drought might completely take them out or a plague of locusts or a plague of mice. Things that were completely beyond their control. Interest rates. I remember one story where one of these guys said, Pete, I get up every morning at dawn, I work hard, but frankly there are some years, and this is the polite phrase he used, but he said, some years I may as well have been sitting on my dot the whole year for all the difference that it made to the bottom line. Forces beyond their control. Things that they couldn't possibly help. So too it is, I think, with our church today. We're tempted to worry about things that are beyond our control. We're tempted to worry about our children as they head out to university, this thick with weeds, with a, a very uh, anti-Christian sort of sentiment, a secular humanist agenda that is very antagonistic towards the Christian faith. Hard, stony ground is the Australian context at the moment. It's not just us, it's, it's everybody. Our Pentecostal friends are struggling. Our Anglican friends are struggling. Our Baptist friends, it's just, it's just hard yakka out there at the moment, church. The hard, stony ground of hedonism, the thorny ground of great Aussie lifestyle of consumerism and just pursuing my own ends with little regard for for the greater good. It is indeed a, a hard patch that Jesus has chosen in his grace, in his wisdom, 
to place us here in Australia in 2023, particularly here in the eastern suburbs. Can I share with you a little bit something, though, church? I've heard since I've arrived, a lot of, us, a lot of you have told me this is hard ground here in the eastern suburbs. It's not just the eastern suburbs. It's everywhere in Australia. This is just hard ground. And you know what? I want to say this morning, that's okay. That's okay. That's where God has placed us. That's where he has called us to be faithful and scatter seed nonetheless, leaving the harvest up to him. Can I leave you with a bit of a a takeaway for this story? The conclusion of this story, Jesus doesn't actually focus on the hard paths or the thorns or the stony ground. He calls us to focus on the harvest. Jesus doesn't call us to focus our attention on that which is lost. He calls us to turn our attention to the harvest, to the good soil, to the soil that yields 160, 30 times what was sown. This foolish farmer goes out and scatters his seed. He was preaching. Jesus was preaching for years to thousands of people. He chose six, 12 men to go out and to scatter seed. They'll be taking up the mantle to scatter seed throughout the world. Those men went on to change the world. And let's be honest, even one of them turned out to be not so fruitful. The calling here is to emulate this seemingly foolish farmer, this wasteful farmer, and be generous, be indiscriminate in scattering seed because, frankly, we don't know what soil is good and which is rocky and which is thorny. We're going to to get it wrong. Next week, Jesus is going to be talking about a parable about wheat and weeds and our own inability to tell them apart. So be very careful about pulling anything up. We need to trust, and this is the good news, that we are not Lord of the harvest. Amen? Praise God that I'm not the Lord of the harvest. Praise God that he simply calls me to scatter as best I can where he has placed me. Can I encourage you this week to be asking yourselves, therefore, a couple of hard questions. Yes, am I scattering? That is the obvious challenge to this parable. How is your scattering going? Are you scattering seed abundantly, lavishly, generously, thoughtlessly where you are and leaving the rest up to God? Or are you being a bit stingy? Are you sort of keeping it all to yourself? The only way to ensure that a harvest doesn't come is by not scattering the seed in the first place. I think he calls us to worry not about how it will be received out in the world, but simply to go out and to scatter. How's the quality of your seed? Is it good seed that you're scattering? Or does maybe your life cause people around you to worry, what sort of seed is this person scattering? Are you scattering? Check out the quality of your seed. How are you scattering this seed, either in word or in deed? Can I give you one example this week, how you might like to do it this week? We've got a whole bunch, a whole box full of these postcards. I've got a bunch of them up the back there. Please take a couple just today and spread them around, share them around. It's got a picture of our beautiful stained glass window. The original you'll see just there as you walk out the door. It was in the beautiful old sandstone church, our original sandstone church just up the mall here. And it's been relocated out there. It's got a picture of this window of Jesus being uh, the light of the world. It's actually a 
people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe this is a, 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 a replica of uh, Jesus, the light of the world, the painting you'll see in St. Paul's Cathedral in London. I'm fairly certain that's where you'll find the original. Jesus is the light of the world. Please take a couple, scatter them around, spread them around, keep them with you in your, in your briefcase, in your, in, in your purse, in your handbag. If you happen to run into someone, share them, spread them around. Invite them into fellowship here at church in the marketplace on a, on a Sunday morning. Invite them into fellowship at a Bible study, to chalk and chat, to coffee and chat on a Tuesday. Invite them to maybe just read the Bible with you. So here's, that's one very practical way. Please don't leave here this morning without taking a couple of these uh, postcards that are just sitting in a box. There are thousands of them sitting up there. Let's not hoard our seed, church. Let's scatter it far and wide this week. It may not be the most worldly wise approach. It may not seem to you to be the most strategic approach. It may not seem to you to be the most professional or the most economic. But I reckon it certainly is an act of outrageous faith. Amen. It certainly is a way to partner with God, to be scattering seed far and wide, generously, abundantly, and leave the rest up to the Lord of the harvest. Amen? Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we, we commit afresh this week to being your faithful scatterers of the good news of Jesus that you've placed within us, that you've given to us in order to share abundantly. So in a changing world that seems reluctant to accept the gifts that we as a church have to offer, we pray that you might grant us courage, grant us generosity, grant us an abundant hope, hope enough to go on casting out the seed and grant us too the wisdom, the discernment, the faith to leave the rest up to you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.